Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. This is Samoma Laws from Restore Retreat. Welcome back. This week, uh, Jacques Hebert has left me. Um, I have certainly stood him up uh, several times um, and have made him go the show alone. So this time it's my turn. Jacques is on a well-deserved vacation, but we would definitely miss him. Um, just a reminder, last week we had a great show with our friends and partners from South Wings. Uh, they are a volunteer organization, and they are still looking for volunteer pilots. So if you missed that podcast or, or you want to find out more information about volunteer being a volunteer pilot for them or more about their organization, please go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Delta Dispatches to listen to our past episodes, not just on South Wings, but also to subscribe to our weekly podcasts, which come on iTunes and Google Play. Also, another reminder that we have an action alert out. Um, Louisiana's coast is facing some devastating cuts in the next budget. Um, For the past several years, the administration has threatened to take away our share of federal offshore revenues, which we know as GOMESA. And so um, that is allocated to Louisiana and the other energy producing states. But just like the past years, we're trying to make uh, we're trying to take a stand against it and to make sure that they understand that this money is too important to Louisiana's future. So if you want to take action on that, you can also go to MississippiRiverDelta.org backslash get dash involved backslash take action and you can um, provide some information to your legislators there. Um, Also before we move forward we certainly want to recognize we want to think about um, Steve Scalise our congressman and our leader he has certainly taken a stance on coastal issues and we just want to say that we've been thinking about him and we wish him and others involved a speedy recovery. So we're going to get right to it today because we have two very, very interesting guests. Uh, One is an old friend of mine from long ago. So Dr. Robert Twilley of Louisiana Sea Grant is on with us. Um, Robert and I are going to have to make sure that we talk not like we're on the phone, uh, which would be a whole different conversation, but make sure that we understand that we have an audience listening to us. We we talk about lots of things on the phone, right, Robert? (laughs) Oh, this gossip. Come on. <laughs> we also are fortunate enough to have with us later in the show Pepper Bowen from our bycatch event that we're going to be having later uh, next week. And so we're going to talk to her more about that event and about their work over there. But let's get to the guest at hand, Dr. Robert Twilley. I'm going to read a little bit bio about you, Dr. Twilley. Uh, in case you don't know, Dr. Twilley is the executive director of Louisiana Sea Grant College. Um, he's also over at LSU. He's a professor in the Department of of oceanography and coastal sciences. Um, I know him from long ago. He is also a huge part of the Coastal Sustainability Studio um, that he founded back in 2009. We'll talk about that. Uh, definitely has some ties to ULL throughout the years and a whole bunch of other very fascinating life experiences. And so, Dr. Twilley, I am very glad to have you finally on the show with us. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Simone. This is a great pleasure. Yeah, so uh, we still really, we do go back. I've, I've been executive director for Restore Retreat for blah, 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 years, and um, I've known you ever since then. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, so I read your bio, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is and what connects you to our coast? Oh, wow. I, and make I it short. This is only an eight-minute segment. I, so. <laughs> uh, I visited, I'll tell you, I, um, 
I interviewed, uh, UL Lafayette had a position to open up, and I interviewed because um, it was the expansion of LumpCon. So I've got another Oh, that's a good connection. I actually didn't know that. Good to know. Yeah, when I actually traveled down, Don Bosch actually was executive director, called up the University of Maryland and was calling around different marine labs and asking for, have you got any postdocs or any PhD students looking for a position? And so uh, I was finishing up my postdoc at Horn Point Lab up on Chesapeake Bay. And uh, so I I applied and, and traveled down for the interview. And when I interviewed... Um, there was, you know, the building was just being finished. The, the, uh, we, the, talk, we talked about the LumCon building the other day and when it was built and how it was built. So that's, that's interesting that you were there then. Uh, actually, we know when we're driving, uh, I, I did my seminar here in, or over in Lafayette at UL Lafayette or USL at the time. And um, when we were driving down to LumCon, we stopped in Laurelville so I could see uh, – the Acadiana was still being was being finished. <laughs> it was still in the boatyard, and um, and accident stopped. Uh, Steve Rabley took me over to see the Pelican. Yeah, and then, yeah. And we yep. around the building. Uh, we traveled on scaffolding up to see the building, and it was just so exciting, uh, you know. Uh, and so, and uh, another little tidbit about that trip: um, when I flew in, I flew into New Orleans from Baltimore. And at that time, there was a flight from New Orleans to Lafayette, <laughs> and and I flew at night, and I you know my first trip ever really being down in the Mississippi River Delta, and and you could see the river at night. Yeah. We were just flying along the river basically, and all the refineries, all the lights, and so forth, and it was quite a fascinating flight. Uh, I don't do that anymore. But a, um, well, well, clearly we didn't hook you on our weather and humidity, so it must have been that <laughs> night flight, right? Uh, it was. Uh, it was actually. I think the interview was in November. So, uh, <laughs> well, there was a reason why they brought you then and not later. <laughs> exactly. So I, and I started the following. That was starting in January 1986. Um, first uh, class I was teaching the fall, the the uh, spring semester, and uh, so so yeah, I had very strong connections immediately to the coast. Although I did not really work much in the coast when I first started, I was a mangrove uh, uh, ecologist yeah. and um, actually. Got a really big project with uh, USAID, Agency for International Development, and worked five or six years in Ecuador and then in Colombia and all kinds of places. So, um, you know, I really, I I worked in Four League Bay and I did a little bit of work in coastal Louisiana, but uh, not a whole lot. It wasn't my focus uh, at my first 10, 15 years. And I'll tell you, I first got introduced, um, they were forming the Framework Development Team for the Louisiana Coastal Area. Wow, uh, there you go, LCA. We've talked there about it go, on the LCA. show before, yeah. And so I, I was, uh, you know, Lynn Barr called me, and, and uh, they wanted a scientist from the southwest part of the state, so <laughs> I guess my geography uh, helped uh, plant yeah. me in a chair around the table. And uh, so I, I sat on that team. Uh, Denise was on it, and... Yeah. and I remember who the third person Oh, uh, man, was. but you dropping some names on Lynn Barr and Don <laughs> Bosch. And, uh, and <laughs> that, that really, you know, that getting involved with LCA, uh, yeah. and, and I had just finished working with the World Bank, and we, were, we had just finished designing, building, and we had actually been studying a couple of years. Um, we, the uh, World Bank built three river diversions, on the Magdalena River to restore Oh, they got the to Delta. build them? Interesting. Magdalena yes. River Delta. 
and I got was involved with that. So I came in with the framework development team, fresh off having been involved with uh, river diversion projects down in Colombia. So it's quite quite interesting. Um, and so I haven't, you know, I've been involved ever since. That was, I think, in 2000 was when the frame, that first framework development team was formed. Yeah, yeah. So, and and uh, so, you know, we've talked about that on the show that that before we had master plans and, you know, it was Coast 2050, right? And then um, then something like LCA. And we talked about when, when I first started at Restore Retreat, they had just signed the chief's report on yeah. on LCA that that happened so I started maybe January 3rd or something I think they signed that January 31st the colonel at the time they had a big signing ceremony and so um and we all know what happened after that right that was a event uh, for actually, you actually and and you're exactly right and and you know that LCA of course the coast 2050 was a very important document um the LCA document um you know you're right January of 2005 um we we signed that document chief engineers report and you know that that allowed us within 18 months to actually um, you know put sort of on the street, if you will, uh, the first master plan in 2007. We we would have never have been able to jumpstart that process without the uh, the LCA experience, yes. without a doubt. Great. We want to talk about that when we come back. We do have to take a short little break. We want to get into those plans. We want to get into your current work. We really want to talk about Sea Grant and we want to talk about future Sea Grant too. So hang on with us, Robert. We'll be back uh, with Delta Dispatches after the break. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress that has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. This is Samoma Laws of Restore or Retreat. I am missing my partner in crime, Jacques Hebert of Audubon, Louisiana. But we are fortunate enough to have Dr. Robert Twilley with us, Executive Director of Louisiana Sea Grant. Uh, we're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO and online through our new podcast. Uh, you can listen to this interview and, and all of our others online uh, on the Mississippi River Delta page or subscribe to iTunes or Google Play. So welcome back, Robert. Thank you. Thank you for hanging with us. It's always a little dicey if our guests decide to stay or not. 
for that. <laughs> Thank you for staying with us. Um, we were just finishing up talking about how um, little Robert Twilly got to coastal Louisiana when he was in his youth and all those long, young years ago. But we want to talk about some of your more current work. Um, I know you through your work with America's Wetlands and certainly uh, through some of your work with the Morganza Task Force. Um, but most importantly, yeah. something that you started, um, the Coastal Sustainability Studio at LSU. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that concept? And y'all have y'all have been around for a couple of years now, right? So why don't yeah, you tell us yeah, a little about, bit about that? About 2009. Um, and, you know, that the, the origin of that was, uh, of course, it was a post-Katrina uh, concept. Uh, the, you know, we uh, talk about the 2007 master plan as the first master plan uh, with CPRA. Uh, there was another planning exercise, which was called Louisiana Speaks, and right, that was right, the regional yes. plan. Mm-hmm. And Peter Calthorpe uh, came out. They, they hired Peter from California. And it was a fascinating. I, I had contracts to support both efforts, uh, both to help try to figure out what kind of wetland area we could rebuild with different techniques, restoration techniques, and then we would take those results and and put them in the regional plan of where we put highways, where we put people, where we put infrastructure. And so the complement between the two plans was just uh, superb. But that also, I remember right when we finished, Peter Cothorpe said, well, you know, Robert, you've got to build an institution that can keep this moving forward, and that's where CSS started. Um, and the whole concept was we needed to build the interdisciplinary approaches to infrastructure, not only green infrastructure, but we need to understand housing, we need to understand transportation, we need to understand industry needs. And so it was really the infrastructure of both uh, human infrastructure, if you will, and, and, and nature and, and how to put them together. And that's, it's, so it's a combination of engineering, coastal science, and architecture. That's, that's, the, that's the three, I guess, legs to the table um, that, that, that drive the studio. That's how we started. Yeah, and y'all really have, you know, landscape architecture. Y'all have all these different disciplines that all have a hand in coastal work, and and it seems crazy that nobody had put those together. But um, but it's a it's a good thing that y'all did. Um, tell us some about uh, we, some. We evolved from that a, a joint program uh, here at LSU, coastal and ecological engineering. So uh, you know, there's been again this whole idea of driving these two these disciplines together to solve these problems. So any work that we may recognize or any work that we could go see as a result of the sustainability studio? I, mean, I, I see it, it but it, maybe others would be interested in it as well. You know, that we have a website. I uh, don't know if I can, uh, uh, resilience.org, LSU. Um, uh, how about if I send that to you and we'll, we'll Twitter it? I, yeah, I don't have it look at you with the Twitter. Yes, <laughs> yes, yay. But, but if you do uh, type in, Google in uh, sustainability yes. studio at LSU, you'll find it. I think it's at CSS. Um, and Is so that right? we have a website. Um, you know, we as uh, some of the, as you know, the changing course was a major event that we all worked on, and and that really was something we did within the studio. That we're very proud of is the, the product that we generated uh, through those efforts. And then we've been the Louisiana Recovery Assistance Program called LRAP. Uh, we're we're next week we're hosting third or fourth uh, series of mayor institutes. Um, and um you know, Michelle Claude participated uh, in one yes, of those, right? Yes, yes. Uh, neck of the woods. Uh-huh, love Michelle. Was a great, great fan and great uh, 
participant, and we just lock up na- uh, mayors, put them in a room with they bring their projects, and then we help them evaluate their projects through the lens of the studio. That so is- how are you, you know, how are you bringing all the different elements together, both the wetlands and the infrastructure and, and ecological engineering and et cetera. So it's a lot of fun. Cool, cool. So their Twitter is at LSUCSS. Um, you can see some of their work, some of their initiatives that they're working on. But um, something else that you work on is Louisiana Sea Grant, correct? So tell us about, uh, you have many babies, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I've been doing that for four years. Uh, get, I guess I'm moving into my fifth year. Uh, I followed in the shoes of Chuck Wilson, uh-huh. who is the only, only, only the second Sea Grant director, Jack Van Lopik. Uh, was the first Sea Grant director, and, and uh, in fact, Jack is nearly one of the longest-serving Sea Grant directors in the network. Nice. Um, and so Louisiana Sea Grant, depending on uh, whether you use the date of our grant or when we actually became an official college, we're about 45 years uh, in existence. The National Sea Grant Program is celebrated its 50th uh, anniversary, 50th year anniversary. Y'all have some cool uh, pictures about year. y'all history, right? Signing the document and some things like that. I've seen that before. That's, that's, a cool... that's right. And, and, you know, a little footnote, uh, Louisiana Sea Grant, there are 33 Sea Grant programs nationwide. Uh, Louisiana Sea Grant was the 13th <laughs> <laughs> program that actually came online. That's sort of fitting. And uh, we were a large group of us around 1965, 1968, somewhere in that area was when the Sea Grant program started here in Louisiana. So y'all have several focus areas for Sea Grant. There's a, there are some main things that y'all focus on. It's uh, healthy ecosystems and habitats, resilient communities and economies, sustainable fisheries and aquaculture, education and workforce development. So tell us maybe about some of those initiatives and certainly want to talk about some of your, your Sea Grant agents. Not not to be confused with uh, well, secret you know, the, agents like Wendell Curall likes to say. Yeah, yeah we've got a, quite a history and, and, and uh, Jerome Zerang. Uh, oh, yes, a, that's right. That's right. We talked about that with him. Agents. He was on earlier. And, yes. Uh, actually, Ted Falgut was our first secret yes. agent. Yes. Wow. Um, you are name dropping all the, <laughs> all the oldies and goodies. He was, when we initiated the Marine Extension Program, uh, we, he was our first hire. But, you know, we, uh, we, the Sea Grant Program is, uh, is the model is like the Land Grant Program. Uh, and it's uh, centered around uh, uh, working with universities and generating research and then uh, extending that research down into the community. So we have very strong on, on extension service. And then we have a very strong uh, education, um, mainly working with teachers. And uh, so that's our, that's our program. And I, I sort of talk about it in the, that we try to – our, our mission is to get university content into communities. That's, 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 and so it's – you know, it helps solve problems. It puts value of our university research. And it's not just LSU. We work with uh, universities um, across the state, and we fund research. Um, and then, uh, but our, our real strength is our extension activities, and that's done through nine offices across the state. Um, we have an office there in Homa and, uh, and better. in I'm New sorry. Orleans and <laughs> down in Plaquemines and and in those offices are our Sea Grant agents. They live in the communities. Uh, so they, you know, when, when presentations are made and we go down in those communities, when we leave, there's someone still there that can follow up and mm-hmm. work with the community. Exactly. And, 
That's a major. And most of our offices are co-located with the LSU Ag Center Extension offices. So um, that's how we're able to actually fund our program with the small funds that we get from uh, from NOAA. So um, so anyway, that's and you're right. We have four focus areas, um, and a lot of our work started out. We actually funded the first studies uh, on the evolution or on the development of the Chafalaya Delta uh, back in the uh, early 70s. And so, um, and now we do much more community resilience, And but our mainstay say, has always been our fishing industry. You know, so- we're, our, we want to talk about that a little bit more, Robert, if you hold on just a second. We have to go to one more break. We want to talk a little bit more about that specific work. Um, if you hang on with us just one more break, we want to finish up, and then we want to talk about some changes maybe coming to the Sea Grant program. So hold on, okay? You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990. We'll be back. This is Simone Malaz with Delta Dispatches. Welcome back. We're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO talking about Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and why it matters. We are so fortunate to have through one more segment, Dr. Robert Twilley. Well, you have too many good things talking, um, too many things going that we want to talk about them all. So <laughs> let's finish talking about Sea Grant a little bit. Um, you do have extension agents in, in several coastal towns. You have quite a few efforts. So where you want to talk about anything in particular that y'all are working on and think, uh, maybe where they can find more information? Yes. One of the most important, I think one of the largest programs we have right now is called Louisiana Fisheries Forward. Uh, it's, a, it's an effort in partnership with the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And it really, the whole concept is, is to build higher quality in our seafood products to get a better price on the market so that we build more sustainable fishing businesses and you know these are small small businesses across the coast and and there's and very uh, much affected by the market so we're doing training uh, we're helping with gear technology we're helping with freezing and product development on the boat in the processing plants and we're working with chefs so that we can have the whole what we call uh, cold chain management and that is getting it from the boat to the market and helping the fishermen get a better price. And that's a, it's a very large program and something I'm very you know, proud of, and our agents do a great job. Yeah, you should be proud of it. Today's kind of a fisheries-themed show. We're lucky enough to have Pepper Bone with us. Um, they have an Asian carp uh, event next week, and she does a lot of oh, other cool things, go. too. Well, yes. I'm <laughs> sure Congressman Higgins would be glad to hear that. <laughs> well, um, and where can we get more information about Sea Grant, Robert? Yeah, well, we have it's uh, it's at you know, Sea Grant dot L A or dot L S U is our uh, uh, website. Um, you know, again, if you just Google Louisiana Sea Grant, uh, our website is probably the best place to find. You know what we're doing, and it, it will list all the different programs, uh, activities, our extension service activities. Uh, also for students, it's our student opportunities for faculty, what our research opportunities, and so, you know, how we actually intersect with all those different sectors, uh, it all combines and moves through our website. That's really the best way to to interact with us. Yeah, so LAC Grant. always call my office as well. Yeah, lacgrant.org. Their Twitter is at LAC Grant. Um, You have a Twitter, too. Do you know it? Do you know it? Yes. 
<laughs> R R Twilly. Yay, good for you. Uh, so two things before we close out with you and then move on to Pepper. One, uh, you won an award. Big deal recently. Yes. Oh, thanks. You had your mom yeah, with you. So cute. Yeah. yeah, that's it? That's all you got to say about it? Congratulations. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was up at the award was uh, it's the Environmental Law Institute. It's given every year uh, in four categories. Mine was in the category of research and um, it was pretty special to me. My former major professor got this award in 1995. <laughs> I'm the fourth faculty member in the Department of Oceanography and Coastal Science to get this award. Jim Gosling, Gene Turner, mm-hmm. and Bill Patrick before me. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good group of people. <laughs> and, and finally, uh, I was able to, to get my 93-year-old mom there. I so, love that. Uh, that's, she was that's my favorite part about that. Garden watching me get the awards. So it was a great experience. Very cool. Um, so uh, this is the last thing we're going to talk about before I ask you our traditional silly question. And I hate to kind of end on this note, but can you briefly tell us about some of the federal cuts that you might face in the future with Louisiana Sea Grant? Yeah, NOAA is, uh, has about $250 million in cuts that really will wipe out uh, complete programs. And Louisiana Sea Grant would be, or the National Sea Grant program would be one of those that would, that's, that's, uh, was proposed to be zeroed out. But we have very strong support in Congress. We have a very supportive delegation. I visited with each of them. We submitted 35 letters from our constituents and our stakeholders, very strong group of letters. And so I, you know, I, I feel very confident Congress will, will keep these uh, programs that have values such as Sea Grant uh, alive. I'm worried about other cuts. I, I know you mentioned them, um, Gomesa, but you know, other cuts such as community development block grants and, and cuts to you know, flood uh, and the flood insurance program and other uh, programs that help coastal communities um, become more resilient to disasters. I'm I'm concerned about the whole package, uh, particularly for coastal regions such as Louisiana. Um, I mean, so it's not just our program; it's just, it's the total total aspects of what's being proposed. And I I, I feel strongly our delegation will hopefully you know take a strong look at that and and and. Uh, they understand our threats, so uh, you know, and we're, and I know they're getting good guidance, right? Aren't they? <laughs> we have we do have a, a a strong delegation that supports us in that, and certainly now more than ever, we we really can't take those cuts to Louisiana's coastal program. We we have some momentum moving forward, and so uh, there's been some recent press about that. You can find uh, Mississippi River Delta's statement on some of the cuts to the programs. So I really hate to end on that note, but I'm with you. I'm optimistic that our delegation will stand strong and that we do have the support there. So um, let's end on our um, kind of silly question of the day. Um, so we're going to take it a little easy on you, but what is Robert Twilly? What is your favorite town or city in Louisiana? You must answer. Oh, boy. You know, that's that, you know, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I know. Today. I know. I love it. Which I, one? I, Where? I, I, I live in Lafayette, and and it's been a great small. Well, I call it a small town. Great community to raise, uh, you know, three fabulous kids, and uh, so I, you know, I have to put Lafayette right up there at the top. But I also just, you know, love driving Highway 90 uh, to to between uh, Lafayette and New Orleans. It's it's got to be one of the, you know, great sort of trips to go through some communities that are are, are quite spectacular but um, if it's a quick visit i can't pass up new orleans you know? 
that way I'm going to live is going to be Lafayette. We all know you really love Leeville when you just don't want to make Lafayette mad. <laughs> all right, Dr. Twilly, we are so grateful to have you on. We hope to have you again uh, in the future. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We'll find You can find some more information, like I said, that contact information on our Twitter accounts. And we hope to have you again soon. Thank you, Robert. All right. Thank you, Simone. It's been a pleasure. So we are fortunate to have in studio with us uh, Pepper Bowen. Thank you. Um, we, like I said, we kind of a fisheries kind of theme today. Uh, Pepper's the director of the Culinaria Center for Food, Law, Policy, and Culture. So tell us, we want to hear about that. But most importantly, we want to hear about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of, you know, how you got here today. Well, besides like streetcar or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, law is my second career. I spent quite a long time in uh, information technology. I most recently, I suppose at this point, was a project manager for a healthcare system and I left IT. You you switched gears, huh? Quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) I left IT in order to go to law school because I thought there were many injustices in this world. And and when I got to law school, I figured out that I was not emotionally equipped to fight all of them. (laughs) However... You went to law school here in the city? I did. I went to Loyola Law School. Are you a Louisiana native? I am. Good girl. I was born right here at Big Charity with 80% of the population. And when I was little, it was a badge of shame and now post Katrina Mm -hmm. it is a badge of honor Um, my grandmother lived uptown on Jenna between Liberty and LaSalle until she passed God rest her soul I went to only three years of school in New Orleans and then I transferred back to because we lived in San Diego Mm -hmm. when I was a child and uh, transferred into Loyola as an undergrad and promptly dropped out. I eventually went <laughs> the back. Jesuits were too hard. It, it you was too to much. It was too much. I eventually I went back to school and graduated from Tulane. I hey. got a master's from Regis in IT. And then I um I went to Loyola's Law School. I was um friends with well not friends, but he was more of a mentor and and a, a, a guider through the darkness that was my undergrad career <laughs> you found the light <laughs> i did the dean lewis westerfield was very kind to me when i was an undergrad so i i knew that when i went to go to law school i wanted to go to loyola law school and it was one of the best decisions i've ever made to be honest with you they are they started in 2012 mm-hmm. a part-time day program that allowed me to work part-time go to school part-time and continue to be a mom so yeah, that's a lot. That's it a lot. was. Yes. Yeah, would not do it again <laughs> unless but, I had to. But sometimes <laughs> when you're in it and you're doing that much, you you don't really have time to think about how hard it is, and so it True sounds story. crazy. But sometimes you're just in it to win it. And True you're story. Just, you're just working towards the finish. So good for you. Well, so what happened is that I, I went in because I wanted to do immigration law, but figured out that it was family law across international waters and it was simply not emotionally the task that I could undertake. And I always had this love for food, right? So when you're living in IT for so very long, one of the things that I read very often was find your passion, right? So yeah, what is yeah. it that you do? What is it that you read? What sort of places that you go? How is it that you move in this world when you are not working? That is your passion. And it was food. So so did you just like to eat the food? Did you like to cook? Yeah. Did you like to... <laughs> I don't know why this is a question. No, I'm so... <laughs> yes, yes, no, and yes. Yes, true story. <laughs> um, I love to eat. 
but I, when I had my first child, the understanding of what food meant mm -hmm. and the nutritional values, what it meant to eat with, eat with the seasons, what culture is transferred from the plate into the person, from the table, all of those all of a sudden had a huge impact on me. So my first summer, we spent abroad in Greece and I did two weeks of classes and spetses and they had an amazing time. So the boys came with. And then we spent a month on Samos where I was working on a program where we could identify what the proposed law, the proposed regulation mm -hmm. was, which was to identify and regulate the seeds themselves and a seed saving bank for a non-governmental non yeah, organization, yes, yes. right? And so that has blown into uh, <laughs> a current career. So at this point, I'm standing up Culinaria, which is a food law policy and culture center, mm -hmm. understanding that we live through uh, the regulation of law, right? So when you think of a food law, most people associate USDA right. stamped yeah. with beef, yeah. Yeah. right? But there are also a lot of policies that are underneath that, right? So, when you, so if you are a foodie and you are one of those people who pays a, a good bit of time to or attention to how it is that the, the food gets to the plate. You understand that there's policy around it, but there's also a culture that goes with it. And in Louisiana, we're a little bit more sensitive to that because yeah. we understand that who you are is on a plate. Yeah. So the joke here is that we're eating one meal and talking about the next one. So this is fascinating. You know, some people do just eat to eat. So when we, <laughs> so we're going to take a break um, and we want to really get into this. We want to talk about the, the National Food and Beverage Foundation and what that means to you. And then also about several of the programs that you have. So Fantastic. we'll be back in just a minute. We're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Malaz. I am joined by Pepper Bowen. Thank, Thank you for you. being with us. Pepper is the director of the Culinaria Center for Food Law, Policy, and Culture. And we were just talking about food, right? And of because, course. Because of Cause course that's all we I talk about food, right? I talk about food a lot. A lot. <laughs> so, but it is such an important part of our culture. And that's, that's some of what we talk about here on this show is Louisiana's coast and the culture and that. Yeah, I don't, so I don't think other do people it. do this. I don't think in Indiana they're sitting around talking about food. I know, that kind of makes me sad, though. Shouldn't it? You know? But what, what, what kind of food do they talk about? What are you talking about if they're you're probably not talking, talking about, food? about our food, right? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so tell us, uh, we were talking a little bit about the, um, uh, we want to talk about the National Food and Beverage Foundation. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. The National, Beverage, National Food and Beverage Foundation is the umbrella under which Culinaria Center sits. We are sisters to the uh, Boyd Culinary Library. We are sister to the Southern Fruit Beverage Museum mm -hmm. and the uh, American Sector Cocktail mm -hmm. Museum. Mm -hmm. So, or the, excuse me, the American Cocktail Museum, not sector. <laughs> <laughs> we are standing up again. The idea is that we will marry more or less law and and policy in order to preserve not only the food that we have access to but also figuring out ways that we can ensure that there is food security and that we can preserve the culture that is louisiana and that's really how we got to the best bycatch event because the asian carp are an invasive species to the coast and figured well 
this will be where we start, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the event next week. This is really one of the reasons why we brought you on and then found out, you know, and this is just me personally. I think other people knew this, but there's there's this fascinating reason, right? You're not just, you know, somebody hosting something for us. Yeah, you work with food just to talk about food, right? Well, I don't argue that. It is true. I mean, this is this is a good thing. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the event. So the Best of Buy Catch actually hits on a number of different levels. So, so it's next Tuesday. Correct? It is on yes. Tuesday the 20th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. It is at the corner of Aretha Castle Haley yes. and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. So it's super easy to get to. There's no you know, two hour pay to park kind of thing. <laughs> hey, so I just had to, uh-huh. I'm just saying, so did I. Too. Oh, oh, that's awful. I think she was waiting for me. She it might was have raining. Been. Yeah. There, I don't mm, want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Point taken. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Yay. So none of that. <laughs> There's none of that. The museum is actually closed that day. And so is Tube South. So oh, we have yeah. the run of the museum. Nice. And what we're doing is bringing in four chefs. We have Alma. So Marissa Rougeau from Alma, the mm-hmm. uh, pop-up mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. So, Let's go no further. Yep, we also nothing. have Dana Hahn from Carmo Cafe, who's going to be coming in, a super amazing conservationist, who's actually doing a fundraiser for the Embers on River Dolphin, Conserva- Dolphin Conservation, the uh, Pink Botos, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Saturday over at his cool. uh, restaurant. We've got um, Jessica Richardson from Lucy's Retired Surfer yeah. Bar and Restaurant. <laughs> cool. I love uh-huh. that because they used to do Taco Tuesdays. And I don't know what she's planning, but I'm hoping for tacos. <laughs> Seems uh, easy. Th- <laughs> Seems like a winner. <laughs> and and last but not least, we've got uh, Rob Claymont Clement. Excuse me. Uh, from, we would say, I'm from home where we would totally say Claymont. So. <laughs> it's a habit, but he pronounces it Clement. So I'm trying to be respectful. Champagne, uh, champagne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Spotted Crap Food and uh, Food and Spirits, which is now at the Healing Center on Saint okay. Claude. Uh-huh. So they're all coming in, and they will be preparing this fish from scratch. Yeah. And so we were talking about it during break. Asian carp is an invasive species here in Louisiana, and it's right? massive, massive, huge. Not just the impact, but the size of the fish yeah, is definitely. just absurd. So when we um, so we do boat trips, and when we go out, I mean, they they you see them jumping, and they yes. they fought, they like the vibration of the boats. It's it's really unbelievable to see these. It's things crazy. In action. Definitely, it's not even so. Uh, I have I have been one of those people. I don't know if this is oversharing, so let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Never oversharing on this show. Trust me. Sitting up by the lake, having daiquiris and watching fish jump out of the water, and yes. those are the fish. And and from a distance, they look pretty small, but from up no, close, they are really yes. not. Yeah. And I've talked to a number of fishermen at this point who have told me about how they jump onto the boat, mm-hmm. and so and it's, they can hurt sh- people too, like exactly because because of the, because mm-hmm. of the size. Yeah. Yes. So when I think of fish, I'm thinking you know something like one or two pounds, yeah. speckled trout, something. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. No. They're kind of more tarpon like, really. They're yes, like tarpon, swordfish. Mm-hmm. When you think of an Asian, mm, excuse me, when you think of an Asian carp. Think of the size of a swordfish, a yeah, toddler. So it's like a 30, 20, 30, 40 pound fish that is jumping out of the water, which is pretty so amazing in chefs, and of itself. Have your chefs dealt with it? This was a challenge for them, right? To have that's to think the of point. it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The point. So um, the idea is that we can save the coast by making this more commercially acceptable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So it not only serves the fishermen because then they don't have to dis- disrupt they're fishing and, and trying to get rid of the Asian carp. Mm-hmm. They can actually fish for it. Right, right. It also assists the coast because these are eating the the foundation of our, the Asian carp are eating the foundation of our ecosystem. And by taking them out 
of the right. the water. Right. We can right. we make things a lot easier. And even just on what an invasive species is. It gives, like you didn't you didn't know this is what this is, right? This I is not supposed to be big. here, it, right? Right. So, Good. So this the event is free, right? Yes. It's open to the public, but we're right. asking for RSVPs. Right. Well, we're asking just so that we have enough mm-hmm, food yeah. to, to yeah, and we're, we're hoping that we're going to get a, a pretty decent turnout. We've got, uh, like I said, we've got Alma, Carmos, Lucy's uh, Retired Surfer Bar and Restaurant. Mm-hmm. We've also got Sparta Cat Food and Spirits, uh, Chef Kevin so Bolton. Spirits, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Chef, oh, Ke- yeah. just Chef Kevin Bolton uh-huh. is going to be our MC. Cool. We've got uh, Chef... Philippe Parola, who's a judge, as well as Poppy Tooker, and yeah. uh, Chef Alfred Singleton from Cafe Spisa. Cool. People so, with some chops. Too. Yeah, yeah, so they awesome. know exactly what it is that they're looking for. And the intention is that we figure out how it is that we can bring this to the table. And, and like you said, a lot of these people easier. had causes and care about these issues. And so it's nice well, to be able to, yeah, to relate it to Louisiana's coast and, right. and to figure out, like I said, even what an invasive species is and get people engaged and having this conversation. True however story. True story, because the Asian carp, it's not so much that it's another fish that's living in the water, which is what most people think. Oh, well, you know, why isn't there enough room in the Gulf? However, what happens is that the Asian carp, Asian carp, excuse me, is eating the actual foundation of the ecosystem. So they are eating the plankton. They are eating the algae and they are fat and happy. Massive. Right. But that is going to impact ultimately the oysters. It's going to impact all of the speckled, the the red, everything that we've got living in the water. So Pepper, tell us where tell us where we can find more information, not only about the event, but also you have Twitter. Yes. Tell us very quickly more information where they can find it. On Facebook, Eat Asian Carp. On Twitter, <laughs> Y'all Southern, Food Be- <laughs> Southern Food and Beverage Museum, and on Instagram, Southern Food and Beverage Museum. We've been advertising through them. Culinaria Center under the National Food and Beverage Foundation. We are so fortunate to have you, and I'm so glad you came in studio, too. I was missing my shock, and you made me feel good about being in here by myself. And thankfully, BJ didn't have to come on. Thank you for joining us for Delta Dispatches this week. Thank I'm you so Simone Malaz. Me and Jacques Hebert will be back next week. Thank you for joining us.